Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us. We're back with another legend of commercial real estate, Holt Lunsford of Holt Lunsford Commercial. He's a longtime Trek member and supporter, and he's here to chat with 2020 Trek Chair Bill Cauley about his life, career, and business philosophy. This is the final episode of our initial Legends of Commercial Real Estate series, though we hope to return with more interviews later this year. Bill has previously talked with Jeff Swope, Michelle Wheeler, Michael Dardick, and Jack Matthews. They're all fantastic interviews, so when you're finished listening to this one, go check those out. We've linked to each of those episodes in the show notes, and you can also watch those interviews over on our YouTube channel. If you're finding us for the first time, I'd like to give a quick reminder to subscribe to TrackCast on your favorite podcast app. It's the best way to get all new episodes right to your mobile device. Check us out on social media, too, for the latest news and updates from around the Real Estate Council. Each of those podcast links and social handles can be found in the show notes. Now, here's Bill Cauley and Holt Lunsford, another legend of commercial real estate, right here on TrackCast. Holt? Really appreciate you taking the time today. You know, um, I remember when in 07, 08, 09, when you and I used, were having those monthly breakfasts when we were wondering what was going on with the world. But I've uh, always had such a high regard for you and what you've accomplished and how you do it and what you stand for. And uh, I'm anxious to kind of have this discussion today. And it's mutual. Awesome. Well, so how did you get into real estate? I mean, why? Kind of give me like, like when you were in college, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you always think it was real estate or, you know, how did you end up in real estate? That's a great question. And um, when I was in college, Bill, I had a misguided notion that uh, I wanted to be wealthy. And I'll circle back to why it was misguided, if you'll remind me, but I, uh, I wasn't nearly as thoughtful as uh, this generation, but I went to an Allsup store. That's a convenience store in West Texas. And in a magazine rack, there was a, uh, a magazine called the Texas 100, which was the 100 wealthiest Texans. And so I picked it up and took it back to the dorm room. And I thought, well, if this is, surely I can learn something from this. So I kind of divided that group of people up and it was three categories. There were people in real estate, people in oil and gas, and people who inherited oil and gas or real estate. And I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the third and I'd worked in the oil field and I knew how hot and dangerous that was. So I said, I'm going to get in real estate. It was that simple. And then I broke it down further and looked at those guys that were in real estate and I found one common theme and that is everyone that was wealthy in real estate owned it. They weren't in the services business. They weren't in the appraisal business. They, they all had one common theme and that is they owned real estate. So that kind of shaped my thinking. I said, if I'm going to have a chance uh, at, at making it, as big as I want to make it, then I need to get real estate and I need to own real estate. And at that time, this is 1986, the number one owner of real estate in the world was Trauma Pro Company. So I moved from Abilene, Texas. Uh, my wife and I were married in college. We moved right to 
to Dallas and I begged and borrowed for a job with Trammell Crow. And how long were you there? I was there six and a half years. And what did and you do? It was, were you at right? Yeah, I got into industrial leasing. And so I leased the Northwest Dallas market under a gentleman named John Walsh, who was a marvelous uh, mentor and leader. And so many of those crow, crow guys were just, you know, they they populate the real estate community all over the country. And oh. I was fortunate to work with some great ones. So I started in leasing. Yeah, and you know, I think some of the best, most of the companies in Dallas have been seeded from ex-Trammell Crow people. I mean, and and I have such a high regard for many of the ones that are now retired and gone. But, you know, I will tell you this. I look back at my career, and if I had one do-over on mine, I could use a few. But if I had one, it would be taking a more long-term view on owning real estate. Like, I've been a trader, right? So I, I buy, reposition, sell. I, but, and I think you sell some too. I was wondering if you also sell industrial that you own personally. But I, the guys that I see that create the most wealth, it's the longest path, are the guys that hold it long-term. Even though office is kind of hard to hold long-term. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it is. And, you know, that was, that was modeled by Mr. Crow and the Crow family. What saved them uh, during the downturn, the late 80s, was their industrial portfolio. And they had built that over years. And, and so, it, you know, they were in all other product types, from hotels, office, you, you name it, they were in it, farmland. But when all that went bust, the industrial portfolio was the anchor. And uh, that's what got them through. So I got to observe that. Right. And, and by and large, uh, generally, our investment theme is we buy and build industrial to own. We'll sell it some, but generally we like to own it and we buy and build office to sell. Got it. <laughs> and and oh. so, like, like, one of the things I know, um, we're Christian brothers, I know your strong faith, and uh, I've always admired uh, how you openly live and stand on your faith. But do you have any philosophical approach to business or do you kind of, and I know your faith drives a lot of it, but kind of how do you look at how you lead your company, how you run your business? Well, and that's been a shift in my thinking. Um, probably it's about a five year, five years ago, I made a transition about how I view business, Bill, but, uh, you are correct. I'm, I am a man of faith. And for many years, I looked at making money uh, through my business uh, as a business. And then I would say, then I'm going to give that money away. And, uh, and I enjoyed doing that and, and still do. But I kind of had a journey starting about five years ago of separating business. My business and my ministry were separate. And I wasn't uh, having as much uh, fun at business. Not that it wasn't interesting, but um, I've been very fortunate and had done well. And I, I just wasn't having as much fun at it. So I tried to 
to move over and do more philanthropic type work, the idea of success to significance. And frankly, after a year, I just, I didn't get any energy out of it. Right. And so through a series of uh, really good mentors of mine and, and uh, thinking about it, I came to the conclusion that my business is my mission and that I had been missing these opportunities to bless uh, these 250 people that work in our company. Uh, I had overlooked it because I was separate. And so we started thinking about um, my business as my mission and we started programming that intentionally. We have two full-time chaplains and in our company that support the needs of our people and uh, we just pro they have their own division and and we program a whole series of ways to bless our people both emotionally and spiritually and financially and it's really made business fun again because i get to come to work now and i get all kinds of emails that aren't deal related or money related but they're health you know they're healthy emotional and spiritual healthy emails of encouragement from people that are that are being blessed because they're coming through our platform you know another really uh blessing from that is i i used to lose people somebody'd be with me a while and then they'd leave and i'd have a hard time with that you know I, i'd really it bothered me and now i look at it differently whether someone is there we've got many people that have been with me for 30 years and and whether they're 30 years or six months, I view it as a touch point and that they were brought into our family for a reason and they left for a reason. And so it's given me a lot of peace about that as well. You know, I used to really, it used to hurt my feelings when people would leave. I, you know, I think uh, I have so many people that have passed through my business uh, that are now working elsewhere. And I think it's all about how you leave. You know, I think if you commute, everybody, I mean, I left, right? And you left. Yes. And so everybody's on their own journey, but I, I, a big, it used to just really hurt my feelings. And, I, and I've gotten out to where um, as long as I feel like the relationship mattered, I've built a relationship because I'm, I'm so relational. And I have to tell you, I, I look at my business so similar to you. We don't have a chaplain, but I think it's my my ministry too. And I think giving's better than getting. And I think you can give more because of the position you're in. And you can give advice, you can give money, you can give leadership. There's just so many things you can do. And you know, your business gives you that platform to be able to do it. And the emails are more rewarding than getting a check, right? Amen. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, as I can remember back to when I made my decision to leave Crow, that was one of the uh, deciding factors was the ability to, uh, you know, as long as I was on Mr. Crow's platform, um, and it was a really healthy platform, don't get me wrong, but there were certain things you could and couldn't do uh, to express your faith because you know you were a an extension of their brand yeah and i get that but sure when you're on your own you you know if you're going to offend somebody well the only one that's going to hurt is 
is you if you lose the business. Well, you get and to make so, the rules, right? Exactly. And it's just been a marvelous, it's been a marvelous experience to be able to, to do that. I wouldn't trade for it. Okay. So like, has there been a deal, a relationship that something that didn't work out well that you've learned from? I mean, do you have a deal story or a relationship and you don't, you know, you don't have to be specific if you don't want to be, but is there's people going to listen to this podcast that want to be you, you know, they want to get to where you are. And, you know, I, I don't know all that you've been through, but I know it all hasn't been easy. So give me a couple of tough lessons you've been through. Well, um, I have, uh, I've made my share of mistakes and uh, I would say that the toughest business uh, lesson uh, I've learned, and if there's an easy tool to fix it, but uh, I'll just describe it real quickly, is I had a, a big loan with GE Capital. Yeah. And um, that loan was sold. Oh. And it was sold to, uh, to a uh, kind of a vulture fund in New York and, it was just a horrific experience because they, their whole goal was to put us in default. Uh, we were actually trying to sell the asset and because they kept putting us and they wanted, they wanted us to default on the loan so that they could sell it. Yeah. Well, and, no, uh, it was just a miserable experience. And, and, and so the quick, the quick answer to that, uh, the quick fix to that question is we, or, or the problem is that we, we have not signed a loan since that we didn't have the first right of refusal on the note if it was ever sold. And I didn't know that to do that at the time, but uh, the lending community will allow it. And so I could have prevented that, that problem. But what I did learn from that experience, uh, and, and we got through it. We, it, it wasn't as favorable as I would have liked, but it, but it did cause me a lot of uh, personal uh, grief. And there was a, there was a grief tax associated with it, but <laughs> I kept a, a, a statement that my father gave me uh, when I was young, kept, it became real. And that is, when somebody wrongs you, he would say, whatever you can live with, I can live without. Wow. And he was a simple farmer, but after that experience, I, I, that statement became ever true. Whatever you can live with, I can live without. And that's kind of the way I processed it, is that this guy was just a miserable human being. Right. And, and whatever he can live, he's got to live with what he did and how he okay. did it. Right. And I didn't have to put any more water in a soup, you know, because he, he, uh, cheated me out of, uh, out of a potential profit. So, you know, we all find these mechanisms to deal with, with rotten people. And another great lesson from that story is just know your partner. That's the only bad partner I've had in 30 years. Yeah. And he wasn't a partner; he was a lender. But know your lender. You know, a lot of people make are making uh, uh, lending 
transactions with people they don't know, that's that's dangerous. I, I got to tell you, and, I I deal with lenders I know where I know the decision maker, and it's not the lender of least lowest cost. It's the lender that I know I have a relationship with so that if anything goes sideways, there's, we're not going to get in a combative position, right? I mean, yeah. you learn, and I've, I've learned it from like seven, eight, nine, I had a couple of big banks that were lenders and they're not relational. I mean, yeah. selling your note, I've been through all the same stuff. And you know, one of the big ones I learned too was I had a partner where we did a programmatic deal we had like five or six buildings together and they sold that was a REIT and they sold to a, a private equity firm, but I didn't have tag along rights. So I, mm. I didn't get, I didn't get bought out when they bought. And I just got in with a partner that had, had a motive to get rid of me. And it was the same. I think, you know, having a good or right relationship with your partners is, is everything. I mean, absolutely. It's all about yes. So yes. what, what do you think good leadership looks like? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm still learning there, Bill. Yeah. You know, I never, I didn't, uh, one, I didn't get any formal training in leadership because I've always, you know, I was 28 years old when I started this business. So I didn't really, Everything I've learned, I've learned through uh, mistakes. And one thing that I'm finding that's working better than anything right now is just the idea of loving and serving your people. And I'm, it's certainly better for me. I'm enjoying it. But I'm seeing what, uh, when you do that with your people, uh, they'll run through a wall for you. Right. And it's really simple. There's, it's, you don't have to read a lot of books on it. You just have to look for ways, get up for what, in the morning and look for ways. How can I serve my people? How can I encourage them? How can I bless them? How can I, and it, and it means sometimes, obviously you've got to, there's, there's tough situations, just like with your children. You, it can't all be roses and you've got to discipline them and you've got to let them, deal with the consequences of um, poor decisions, but generally the, the best leadership that I've been able to foster is just being loving your people and caring for them. And yeah. If you do that with humility, that's another great tool that, that is, that is so, uh, you know, good to great. That's the level five leaders all were humble, whether they were, Christian or not, uh, humility is attractive. And so working on humility, working on, you know, swallowing your pride and being humble and transparent with your people is the best tool I've found. Yeah. I think people want to know you care, right? And if they do, yes. they will be loyal. And like you said, they'll, they'll, they'll um, so many people just don't get fed properly at work. And I think having somebody that you know, and I think honesty and openness is so important. Um, you know, you just take them along for the ride with you. So like yep. talking about a ride, we're in COVID, right? It's, or what are we in 10 months in? And I thought it was going to take about four months. And now they're saying <laughs> it could be the middle of next year. 
you know, how do you lead a company like yours through uncertain times like this? I mean, is, have you yeah. learned anything through COVID? I mean, anything different? Oh, or are you just doing all the same thing? You know, we're doing a lot of the same thing. I'm, I'm probably, I'm attempting to communicate more than I would otherwise. Um, you know, when we were all together, my style is that, you know, quite often is just to roam around and touch people and talk to them. And, and I can't do that uh, like I did, but we're, we're trying to do it. Uh, I'm doing it with emails and it's a mixture of, of humor. And I know they think I'm the corniest guy in the world, but any, any kind of humor that I can find, I'll send out. And, good. Humor's and good. then, you know, then we will, I'll send out an email every week uh, with some word of encouragement and a scripture or a story and, and then, and then to just encourage my direct reports to do the same. You know, get we talk often about call your people, get them on the phone, and see how they're doing. And and our folks have responded remarkably well. We we're we've been fortunate in our business units that we hadn't had anybody go. Yeah. And and all of our um all of all of the businesses are are just doing really well. We're we are fortunate to be in the have category, not the have nots. Like we see so many of our tenants that are suffering, but we've been very fortunate. And and so do you worry about failure? Does it, does it cross your mind or do you just get up every day and just do what you do? Yeah, I don't really worry about failure. Really? You know, I've, I've, I think there's some disciplines that I've been um, blessed to, uh, inherit and to adopt and those pretty much have worked for me for 30 years in three different business lines and and i can't control what i you know i can't control and and bill i you know my wife and i were talking about this the other day if if we lost it all she and i'd be just fine we i mean yeah. we'd just be just fine and uh, live in a different lifestyle. I mean, we're, right. we're very blessed, but, uh, and that, that circles back to when I said I had a misguided notion to be wealthy. Um, the reason it was misguided is because I thought money at that time would make me happy. Right. And then when I got it, I realized all that money does is give you options. Yeah. It doesn't make you happy. No. And, People with money have more options to do things, and it, but that's all it gives you. And so, uh, we we kind of that's our view of of money and our and the treasure that we have is it it gives us some options to do things with our family and do things for our employees and do things for others. But if those options were taken away, it's, we'd still be happy. You know, I'll tell you, early in my career. I was focused on making money, probably pretty similar, maybe probably to more of a degree than you. And when I stopped focusing, I never made any money when I was focused on money. And when I stopped focusing on it and just focused on relationships and, and pouring into my customers, the money came. And, you know, some of the most miserable people I know by, by people, I mean, people that are unhappy, I'm not saying they're miserable people, 
they're unhappy are the wealthiest people because they've made money their God. And money is wonderful if you, if you are happy without it, right? I think it's, mm -hmm. it's a, like a cherry on top. You get the, I think happy people and stable people uh, actually put money to work at, to a greater degree than people that don't. That's a good point. Okay, and so like, if you were your younger self, you're 25 years old, what advice would you give yourself or someone else in that position today wanting to get into our business? I mean, you know, I would say like one of the things that's been tough for me is I always, any young person coming out of college that's looking for work, I'll talk to. And I, you know, I can't hire them, but I try to direct them and give them honest advice. And there's just not a lot of people hiring right now, but I mean, what's your, any, any uh, recommendations you could give a young person on from maybe lessons learned or whatever your views are? Well, I would think, I encourage a lot of young people to be intentional and know what you want, pause, this is the cheapest time of your life. It's never going to get any cheaper. Exactly. And if you're and that's because if you're successful, then life gets more expensive. And you get married, it's more expensive. You have kids, it's more expensive. And the farther you, the more expensive life gets, the harder it is to make critical decisions because some options are taken off the table. Right. And because you don't have the choice to to start your own business when you've got four kids in private school or you need to keep your job. Right. So while it's inexpensive, be intentional about what you want and just pause and say, what do I want? What kind of balanced life do I want? What I want to look like in, I call it a dream page, but to do a five and a 10 year dream page professionally, spiritually, and personally from what you want to drive to how much you want to make to how you want to be giving back. And it kind of sets a framework for what you want to do. And for instance, it, it, when I made my decision to get in real estate, I needed to own real estate. So it wouldn't have done me any good to get in the tenant rep business. You know, I needed to get in the ownership business. Right. And so I'd have been wasting time if I, not really, or you can learn something from anything, but, but intentionally I got in the business line that I, I wanted to get in so that I could learn to own buildings. And, and I, I went to school on the Crow company on how to own buildings. So be intentional and don't just take a job because you're, you need the income, but take the job you want and you get to choose the job you want. So be patient, do your homework, get in the line of work you want to get into so that everything you do, every step you make builds upon the next step. And that's been something that's been very, very uh, effective for me because Bill, I'm doing the same thing. I'm in industrial real estate by and large in the same market that I started in, in 1986. That's awesome. So every relationship, people like you and, you know, Todd Platt and I were doing 3,000 square foot leases together, and he's a CIO at Hillwood, and Jack Fraker and I were doing deals. And, you know, you look at these giants of real estate, right. 
that I've been able to grow up with because I'm, I didn't bebop around and getting, you know, software and then real estate and then oil and gas. I, I just picked a trade, stayed with that trade and, uh, you know, just a good steady pace, not hitting home runs, just singles and doubles and those relationships build. And as you know, this, the real estate business in particular is, is so critical, critically based upon relationships. And having those for 30 years is paid dividends for me. Right. I mean, you know, you, you're, I, I think you're only as good as your, your reputation and your relationships. I mean, um, we know people in this industry that focus more on the dollar than the relationship. Like, I would rather save a relationship and make less money than make more money and burn a relationship, almost even if, I think they're wrong, you know, uh, yeah. because it's just not worth it. I mean, it's, I would rather have the relationship in harmony. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in, in this business is, you know, just keep moving forward. And when you kind of run into um, a bump or a, or a relationship that isn't productive or accretive, I mean, like, or honest, just get around them and keep going. So, so what's your view of the future? You know, we're sitting here in COVID. You know me. I'm like, I'm Mr. Bullish. <laughs> I think the world's great. And, you know, I think people are going to come to Dallas. I think next year is going to be a little choppy. Uh, you know, I know, I know industrial, you guys are killing it. But what's your view of the next two or three years? And, and uh, it may, I'll take the world or Texas, whatever you got to offer. Yeah. Well, we live in the greatest country in the world that, that allows guys like you and me and others to uh, be creative and work hard and, and, you know, make our dreams come true. And, and then we, in my opinion, live in the best state in this country. And frankly, we're in the best city in the best state in the best country. <laughs> And so, you know, it's just, I think that our, our prospects in Dallas, Texas are just phenomenal. I, I just, I have more regrets because I can't get to all the, the fun ways uh, to do business in Dallas, Texas, whether it's real estate or banking or or logistics, you name it, it's it's good in Texas, and in my opinion, it's going to stay good in Texas. And you know, one of our mantras at, at our company, uh, Bill, is we just want to be in the game. For 30 years, we've been in the game. And if you're in the game and you're just hitting singles and doubles, every now and then, period of time comes along where everything turns into a home run. And when that's over, you're back in the game. Right. And that's what we do at our company is that we've, we've got good people. We've got a great succession plan. I'm, I'm fortunate to have my sons in the business and, yeah, that's and cool. great folks that with them, young men and women that can carry this business forward. And so 
we're going to be in the game and I'm trying to encourage and coach from the sidelines and help those guys. But I'm telling you, Texas is going to be good in my opinion for the next, you know, 20 years. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else either. Okay. One, um, do you ever see you putting the pencil down and leaving the office and just going and playing golf and going to the ranch or what it, I mean, are you ever going to quit? You think there's a day you're just done, done, or do you think you'll keep working? But maybe it seems to me like you've got great balance in your life. I'm, I'm not outside looking in. I think with your faith and how strong your relationship is with your family and your kids, that you've got really good balance. But so you can answer that on balance. But what's your plan? I mean, you're just going to keep working. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I love what I do, and now. I've got a sense of, of new energy around uh, our business being my mission field, which allows me to even do more fun things uh, in that arena than just the the art of, of making money. And so I'm I'm hoping that I can train and coach some very just special people in our company uh, that are young and aggressive and want to do what you and I did uh-huh. and that I can resource them uh, because we, we have the ability to do that. And then I can just have a different role in our companies. Uh, one where I can use influence and, and uh, help others and watch them grow uh, spiritually and grow professionally and there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of reward around that for me so yeah. I don't think I'll I'm never going to quit I just I enjoy what I do too much right right you know for me it, it um, I, I you know I like doing other things but I haven't found anything I like doing as well as as business because um, mm-hmm. I you know I, I approach my business similar to you and um, you know, it's about giving. You know, it took me a while to get to the giving side of life and giving so much better and uh, so much more rewarding. And um, I want to thank you for giving your time today. I mean, uh, I know they're going to be lined up to listen to this podcast because, uh, I mean, what you've accomplished. And, you know, I, I so much respect just the way you, what you stand for and how you live your life. You, you might have chaos going on, but it never looks like it. You always look like you're just solid as a rock. So, you know, I love you and I appreciate you. And I appreciate you taking the time to give back to, to have this podcast today. Well, Bill, thank you. And it's mutual. I respect you and all you've done. And we're in a, we're in a really good spot. I wouldn't trade for it. That's all for today's show. I'd like to thank Holt Lunsford of Holt Lunsford Commercial and Bill Cauley of Cauley Partners for another excellent installment of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Before we sign off, I'd like to give another reminder to subscribe to TrackCast on your favorite podcast platform and follow Track on social media for the latest news and updates from around the organization. You can find all of our links and handles in the show notes, as well as previous installments of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.